Good afternoon and welcome to the Sitka Nature Show. This is your host, Matt. I want to thank you for joining me here in the first weekend of December 2023. We are less than three weeks away from our winter solstice here in Sitka. It is definitely the dark time of year, a time of year when I actually get to see the sunrises. And this weekend we had a nice sunrise, but it has been quite wet. We finished up November well above normal rainfall and we'll see what happens with December. Um, it is the second year in a row of wetter than average precipitation here in Sitka. It is coming up on the Christmas bird count time of the year. And so I am actually recording this live, if you will, in the studio for broadcast tomorrow. This is Saturday. I have with me Jen Cedarleaf and Kitty Labounty, regular guests, uh, often have Victoria and Jen this time of year. Victoria wasn't able to make it, but hopefully we'll be back in time to help coordinate the bird count. Otherwise, I guess it's all you, Jen. It's all on me, I guess. Dang. It wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> I was going to introduce myself as Dr. Victoria Vosford. <laughs> So I'm disappointed I that you I like, blew that. I think people would have figured it out. I'm kidding. Yeah, I think they cover. would have too, but I might have tried it. <laughs> you, you have a recognizable voice to and those who are yes. regular listeners of KCAW. Yes. For your your regular shows over the years on garden and music. Yeah, so it is the Christmas bird count time of year. Let's just not bury the lead, I guess, as they say, and say <laughs> Christmas bird count is coming up two weeks from today. Or oh as gosh. you're listening to this. Two it, weeks from today. It from is tomorrow. Tomorrow. Today. It, it, well, it is today as people are listening. <laughs> oh, Unless yes. they're listening to the recording later. But it 17th. will be on the 17th of December, which is a Sunday. The pre-count meeting is going to be on the 13th of December, which is a Wednesday. That will take place at the Raptor Center at... 6 p.m. Is it 6 p.m.? I'm very glad that Matt knows what's going on because I, Victoria is the one who always knows all this stuff and I just go where she tells me to go and she's out of town right now so I don't know anything. Oh dear. <laughs> well, listeners, if you forget, you can always go to kcaw.org and go to the community calendar because the information is included in that wonderful device. Yes. Thank that is goodness. Correct. That is where I went to confirm. <laughs> It just says bird count planning, Wednesday, December 13th, 6 to 8 p.m. You're welcome to go even if you don't plan on participating in the count to just learn about the count and see the slideshow of birds, which is something that I will be doing again for, I think I've been doing it for as many years as you all have been organizing, which oh, we no. always forget how long that's been. No, I think you haven't, right. you didn't do it the first few Vic, years. Victoria did one year of slideshows. And yeah, I of did, actual slides, I believe so, it probably slides. was. <laughs> Speaking of history, yes. When did you, you and Victoria, start doing we this? We ask story? this every year. Every year, we and ask. I still don't remember, and I don't either. Okay, <laughs> it's well, been I, like fifteen years or something. I was trying hasn't to think it? of like, so I was. Uh, uh, this took me back to like memory lane, and I was like, oh, the first year I did the bird count in Sitka was like nineteen eighty five. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I know it's a thousand years ago, and I'm pretty sure that Marge Ward and Marlis Tadeen were organizing it then. We're organizing the Christmas bird count, but there were only like, you know, a few. A ha- I think literally a handful of people, Who did <laughs> maybe the count? two hands, <laughs> that actually went out on the count. There, Marge and Tadeen were really good about organizing people doing their feeder watches. Their feeder and counts, yeah. But I remember <laughs> when. Um, it was my late husband and I and um, Dr. Jacobson and Kent Hansen and Kent Hall. 
Those oh, wow. were the people sitting around the kitchen at um, <laughs> at Kent Hansen's house in the dark because you know we were we were going to be deployed, you know later on that. Well, in a few few minutes. Oh, after so you that. actually in the morning you met up in the morning. We met up the at count. Kent's house, and then the two Kents went one way, and Tom and Jim and I went on another path. And this and was your first Christmas bird count ever. That was ever? my first Christmas bird count ever. Um, I know Chuck and Alice were out on their boat, you know, doing mm-hmm. counts. And there could have been other people out on boats. But I was pretty new to town. I mean, like, very new to town. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I was thinking, wow, that was really fun. And I know Marge and Tadine organized for a while. And I think Doris Bailey was organizing the bird count for a little while. And didn't Alice do it for a while? I think Alice might have I think she well. did it right before, like, a few years before we took over, somebody named Susan. Susan Bronwyn. Yeah, Bronwyn. yeah, yeah. She did so, it for a couple of years, and then Victoria and I took over. Yeah, so it's been an interesting. But it's the first bird count must have been in the was it in the seventies? It was in the seventies. Yeah. yeah, early seventies, and there or maybe seventy five. And then there was one year where it didn't happen, but otherwise it's been yeah continual. So the bird counts had, I mean, I was just, the other thing I was thinking of was like Bill Foster used to um, take a team out on the Stellar J. Oh, yeah. Um, I think Rob Wolsey and Molly Kabler were most often on that trip and probably some other people. And Chuck and Alice for years um, took the fair weather oh, out. Oh, yeah. And they, they always took their boat out. So yes, it was it was kind of fun thinking back on some of those years. They did go on their boat once, or we went on their boat once and helped them with the count. And that was with on uh, the gemstones on, on the fair weather. Yeah, that was really. It's fun. so funny how like just t- you talking about how uh-huh. the people have gone through things, and I'm thinking about how the bird counts changed too, as far oh, yeah. as like you used to have to pay for it. Now right. we don't have to pay for it um, to participate in it, yeah. and you used to have to. St- send the results in and wait for it to all get uploaded and yes. now we just upload it onto the computer and it yeah. just goes right in there. It's it, it's crazy how much it's changed yeah. over it the years. It changed a lot. I mean, it was a big five bucks, so it was Yeah, it was I mean, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a um, but there's wallet so buster many or anything. people that are involved now, which is really great mm-hmm. um, for the count, but yeah, and it's so it's nice to, and I'm hoping, I was just thinking about that. I guess the other part of that was like, oh, these people kind of aged out and uh, Unfortunately, some of them have passed, passed away. away yeah. um, and so it's, I'm hoping that more more younger people keep getting involved in it and keep getting enthusiastic so we can keep it going. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what it'll take. But if it goes down to, you know, 10 of us <laughs> or 10 of someone. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Swing back up again. I feel like. It's a really fun day for Victoria and I because we just go out and we bird yeah. and we uh, eat junk food in the car all day long mm-hmm. and just find birds that we oh yeah I I that love are around. It. It's just a great day for hanging out with some friends. I kept doing it, you know, all the years, especially when I had two little kids. I would be like, "Bye, I got something to do all day." <laughs> Feed yourself. <laughs> well, they have a father, so that was okay. But yeah, I think the the roughest one was I had given birth to my son like a week and a half before and for people who who've had babies walking all day after that it's not really that much fun um but by golly i was doing it but i had to keep going back to the house of course because i had a new baby (laughs) it was pretty funny but i've always super enjoyed it it was um yeah it was a way to get outside it was a way to just spend the day doing something i love doing 
Um, so I encourage people to get involved with it, whether you go by yourself or with family. I, I think I've gone by myself a bunch, too, which is also fun. But the last couple of years, well, not last year because I went AWOL last year, but um, my daughter has gone with me, which has been very fun. Oh, yeah. You didn't count last year. What no, the? I got la- I went to Oregon and I kept thinking I'll get a bird count down there, but I missed like every bird count in every place I was oh, at. It was not she it was not talented. Us. But I did count a lot of birds down there. Huh. Some cool birds too. Well I know. I'm hoping for some cool birds this year. Have we seen any cool birds lately? Have we seen any the cool Townsend birds? Townsend Solitaire was cool. Yes, this weekend there was a Townsend Solitaire that was seen along Sawmill Creek Road. As recently as a couple of weeks ago, there was a brambling that was out mm-hmm. Halibut Point Road. There was an Arctic loon that showed up in Silver Bay, may still be around, yellow-billed loon. The Arctic loon is the first documented for southeast Alaska. That's cool. There's been a couple of reports of possibles. But was that a thank you, Connor Goff? No, that was I found that you one. You found that one? Ooh, I found that one. Yes. Wow, Matt. Go, Matt. Yeah, Connor doesn't find all the unusual. I, I know. Sure? We can't give Connor any more birds. He's, so, <laughs> he's beating me. So, I'm sure he's um, beating me now. I thought it was cool. My daughter saw a pine grosbeak the other day. Oh, cool. Um, which we don't see all the time. It's not like they are super unusual, but it was still cool. And it was like in front of the house eating mountain ash berries, I guess. Um, oh, yeah. And then there have been all the crossbills. Lots of crossbills. Heard some today over at the airport. It's been a good year for both red and white wing crossbills. The white wing crossbills were up on Harbor Mountain, probably other mountains as well. And I think they've. I've been hearing them down low more recently as well. So maybe with the snow, oh. they've come down to lower elevations some. It's been a few years since we had many of those around. Yeah, and I don't, I mean, we we don't get them often on the Christmas bird count. So it would be really cool to mm-hmm. see how many we can get. I suspect <laughs> there will be some this year. The uh, trick so. is always counting them because you I hear know. them calling in the trees and you're like, oh, <laughs> I don't know how many there are. But. I know. Or they or they fly in a big group and you're yeah. like, wait. <laughs> wait. I just like an estimate. Estimates are I just know. Fine. Estimates are great. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, and there's lots of Anna's hummingbirds around, it seems like. I've seen them on both ends of town. And by lots, I mean the bird feeder that I, I take care of out the road has regular at least two and then we've seen one recently out on the island first my daughter spotted it in the in the flowering hellebore and so we were like ah get the feeder out (laughs) and it found the feeder right away so hopefully we'll have that annas around yeah i imagine there will be several annas that are reported and you never know sometimes there's a bird that's hanging around and people just haven't Either the people that are seeing it haven't mentioned it because they don't know it's unusual, mm-hmm. or the um, it just hasn't been reported right. by anybody. And so having <clears throat> the town blanketed with folks looking at birds and looking for birds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like there's a couple of warblers that are still hanging around. They uh, overwintered last year. Uh, Townsend's warbler overwintered hmm. the entire cool. winter, which is kind That's of unusual. Crazy. Yeah, And it may be the same individual bird, which... I mean, if it's going to happen again, it seems likely that it's probably the same bird. Saving up his energy. He's like, I don't want Who wants to migrate? (laughs) That's a lot of work. Yeah, and that was, you know, somebody asked me the other day, you know, what changes about birds? That, um, and I was like, well, it's really expensive to fly hundreds of thousands of miles south in some cases. dollars or calories. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're, if you're a bird that, and you can survive further north, then, you know, there are some advantages to that. So I think some, some birds like our swans seem to just, I've noticed in years where 
it's a cold winter. They've stayed as late as April, but when it was a warm winter, they were gone in February. Yeah, they they're just off. like, we'll just yeah. follow the ice. It's just you know? crazy how they, I, you know, if one of these days we could figure out how they know how to do these things. It's right. Crazy. How do they know that the ice is yeah. free up north? How do they mm-hmm. know that? I remember one year we had a spring where it got like all the shorebirds had started migrating and they were, there were tons of turnstones in Totem Park. And then it got like a cold snap. And so everybody was just sitting here in Sitka mm-hmm. for like, and you, it was so loud in Totem Park with all the ruddy oh, or fun. the black turnstones around. It was, That's that was nice. a cool winter because you could just go in here and, and hear all the chittering the whole time. Oh, nice. Chitter chattering. Yeah. Speaking of noisy birds, um, there's been a flock of oyster catchers. Oh, really? Around that sometimes they're out actually around Glengan Island, and then sometimes they're in the park. And they're so easy to tell they're there because their call is so distinctive. And if you're not familiar with it, um, go to the All About Birds um, website. It's a Cornell's All mm-hmm. About Birds and just, you know, type in Black Oyster Catcher. And they have the sounds in there. Um, you can also get the Merlin app on your phone, which has the sounds, which is kind of fun. And but, you can record sounds and it'll identify the sounds for you. Yes, it's very handy. So It's I, a mixed bag of accuracy, but... Right, but you could... It's, it's always accurate, Matt. Come on. <laughs> All AI is totally accurate, it's, right? It's perfect. <laughs> the eastern blue uh, bluebird that it reported was definitely here. Yeah, no, I got yeah, one Yeah, didn't it ones. say something... Uh, when I was in the park and you and Connor came along, I was like, oh, there's a, I don't even know what it was, like a white throated something that might be around, but you were like, no. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. I've only gotten one one bird back that I was like, uh, no. <laughs> it's abs- And it was some sort of bluebird thing. And I was like, and it was probably an eastern bluebird. I was like, no. Yep, it might have been you that told me about it. Yeah, the bluebird was pretty funny. So I had a, um, I got. I had there was a day so I'm always walking my dog in the park and everything when I'm in there so it's it's always hard to like bird when you're walking your dog because he when I don't want to stand still he does want to stand still your dog is the famous goose uh, yeah hiking buddy goose hashtag hiking buddy goose um anyway he <laughs> he uh we're in there and I'm listening to this raven and it was along the water kind of out by the point and this raven is going crazy and then all of a sudden he stops and then i start hearing this other noise i'm like i have never heard a raven make this noise before and so i pulled up the merlin app and i started recording it and it says northern pygmy owl (laughs) well that's possible and i'm like wait what and i but then i thought oh that raven he's just making a sound like a northern pygmy owl and so i kept walking and then i stopped and i was like wait wait a minute what if that was a northern pygmy owl? <laughs> so I turned around and I went and I looked and, you know, there's all these big pine trees there. And, of course, I never found anything, never saw anything. But I have a recording of a northern pygmy owl. Jen, are there actually pine trees in the park? I, I, everything is a pine tree to me, Kitty. I'm sorry. You got to be careful what you say around botanists. I know. What, what am I supposed to call them? They're probably like spruce and hemlock. Sp- oh, so I'm supposed to actually call them spruce. What is a pine tree? The pine, they're pine trees by the Raptor Center on that little trail, and they have needles in little bundles of twos, and they're the ones that look like shore pines and kind of. Flaky. Oh, okay. So they have they're to have actually, needles and bundles. Yeah, there are actual pine trees here. Okay. To be fair, they're all in the pine family, but they're in the pine ACE. 
But if you were in the park, you saw (laughs) Sitka spruce and western hemlock. Sorry. In an otherwise bird-focused show, we'll take a little side trip into botany. Take a little botany side trip. Well, I was like, there's very few trees trees in Alaska. So I'm going to be like, you know. And even fewer conifers, so... Yes. Oh, I'm not even going to go there. What is a conifer? It's a needle tree. Conifers have cones. Cones, yeah. So spruce cones? Don't we have trees with cones cones here? Yeah, they're conifers. But there's not very many species. Conifers. (laughs) (laughs) Matt was like, why did I invite these two on my show? (laughs) Matt, I'm sorry, Matt. (laughs) We're so much more professional when Victoria's here. Yes, now it's just me. Hi, I'm the victorious. Well, so Sorry. the conifers are important to the birds to, to luck, bring us back yes. because that is why the crossbills are so yes. abundant here yes. this year. The yes. uh, spruce, if you were out in the springtime, you might have noticed. I, I noticed being out, I was on Harbor Mountain and there was just like clouds of pollen coming up from the spruce yeah. trees. And that resulted in a bumper crop mm-hmm. of spruce cones, which I don't know how the crossbills know where to go or if they're just sending scouts. And, and then if the scouts stay, they're like, oh, we better go that way. And yeah, it's But weird. in any case, they, mm-hmm. they figure it out. And so now we have lots of uh, crossbills that are taking advantage of this mass year of, of – Well, and not uh, only the crossbills, the red squirrels too. We had mm-hmm. a red squirrel at the Raptor Center that was – Nicely throwing cones down on our heads. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. As you they stand like, there, it's like, trim. what is happening? It's raining pine cones. So the other thing those conifers do is they have, like, small insects and things on them. And so you'll see the kinglets and the chickadees and all those guys, you know, getting all the insects off of them, too. Speaking of kinglets. Yes. There have been a ton of golden crown kinglets around. There are some nice ones, yeah. There's and they're all like flaring their little crowns. They Every time fun. I see them, I'm like, why don't I have my camera with me? Because oh, they're no. so adorable and tiny and they are super uh, cute. They're just cool when they flare that golden oh, I crown. Love that. There's a there is a project on iNaturalist called Borbs. Borbs. <laughs> Borbs. And it's a what is it, portmanteau of a bird and orb. So Borb. It's it's the round, fluffy birds. If it's more oh. round than it is narrow, and golden oh. crown kinglets are often. Born. I think oh, crowns that makes fit sense. Into that I think too. so too. Yeah, and our chickadees, for goodness' sake, the sakes. chickadees sometimes chickadees, do that. It, yeah. it has to do with how they hold themselves. They don't always. The I've not noticed the ruby crowns holding themselves in that kind of borb-like kind of. fashion as much as the. Yeah, golden crowns are like. And I think yeah. I think because they're yeah they're surviving here in the cold despite being very small, so mm-hmm. they they fluff up quite a I mean, bit this time of year. We do have ruby crowns out on the island too. Still. Yeah. Just some. Yeah, it's not unusual to have a few ruby crowns hanging around into December and even January. And a couple of years they've overwintered, but no- normally they don't seem to. Usually, I find a few out on the island. I don't, and they're and I I'm conservative about calling them, so I like make sure. Yes, I can see that nice little eye mm-hmm. ring and all that. Um, so they're around. Um, we have coots out on the island too. Oh, I was going to ask about the coots. Are there still some hanging around on the lake? Yes, and wood ducks. Are the wood there the was wood like ducks. four. There's wood ducks? four wood ducks. They haven't. The wood ducks haven't been at the peninsula as m- much lately. I don't. I think they probably there's another yard or someplace else on the lake they like to go. Mm. But they have been seen from time to time at the peninsula. The I suspect that the wood ducks are returning. We had two or three last year that mm-hmm. were overwintered, and 
the ones that showed up this year were immediately on, well, I think they were immediately on the peninsula. And in the past, when one has showed up for the first time, it's really skittish of people. And these are just like, it, yeah, they don't, don't even care. care. <laughs> so they're with the mallards. The coots on the lake, the last I counted, it's been a couple of weeks, there were still eight. We had a high count of, I think, 13. Oh, wow. And I think that was, Kitty was out of town at that time. There may have been more on Galenkin Lake at the same oh, time. Yeah. So there have been four mm-hmm. at the most out mm-hmm. there, which is not bad. It actually has not been a great year for variety of ducks out at the island. Some year there's all sorts of them, but we mostly having coots and bubbleheads and mallards and just like a couple of ring-necked ducks. Oh, that's um, cool. But at any rate, um, I think what we're trying to see is there's lots of cool birds around. There uh, are. There are. <laughs> there's been double-crested cormorants on Swan Lake. Oh, there. yeah. Flapping their wings. Yeah, flapping right their off. wings. Oh, the long tails are back. Oh, I know. Tails. I heard. So I went to a meeting. I had a meeting with someone at Longliner Lodge the other day, and I, I got there, and I hear this, like, really loud noise, and I'm like, what is that? And it just mm-hmm. kept going. And, right. And so I, I'm like, it's come from the water, and I thought, well, maybe it was a some kind of bird that I hadn't seen. It was it was a young otter, and he was going a uh, river otter going right across the shore or right along the shore, and he was yelling, and got out on a rock, and he's yelling and yelling, and I'm like, did you lose your parents or something? <laughs> and then here comes another one, almost the exact same size, oh, wow. right behind him, and I think they just lost each other, Aww. and they finally found each other again. But it was I, they were so tiny. Oh, they were so fun. cute, but um, and they were out there with the long tails. But no, they were along the shore. But I heard the long tails when oh, uh-huh. uh, when I was listening to them. I was like, "Oh, there they are!" <laughs> so I was. We were having this discussion today when we were driving to the fuel dock, trying to decide if the old name of long tails, which was old squaws, if that came from. That just, they're chattering. They're chattering. chattering. And I was yeah. like, did they they're just decide they didn't chattering. want to call them old ladybirds? You know, <laughs> <laughs> did the other sound more colorful? Well, now long tails makes a lot of sense with that bird because the the tail's they're really long, and if you tail, don't yeah. hear them, you look at the the duck, you're like, how on earth? But the long tail is a it's a solid name for it. Well, that one yeah. has a, a slinket name that when I saw it, I immediately was like, oh, I know why they called it that. It's Yaauna. Mm-hmm. And so that's oh, just that's like, exactly that's what they sound like. like. Oh, that's yeah. onomatopoeia right there. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So that's the sound that they're making out in yeah. the channel, you know, pretty frequently. Uh, yeah. That, chattering at each other all, all yeah. winter. Anytime it's quiet out there, you're like, oh, yeah, there they are. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun yep. when they come back, and they come back every year. So the channel's a great place to, you know, practice your ducks. Yeah, speaking oh, of which, yeah. next week... Uh, next Saturday, on Saturday the 9th, I believe that is, uh, Connor Goff, my son, who knows his birds pretty well, will be doing a bird walk. Pretty Pre- well. He knows his birds better than me. Pretty well. So, <laughs> Especially the goals. <laughs> the 9th of December. And you don't have to be planning to participate in the bird count if you don't want, but you're welcome to show up at 9 o'clock. Next week, it will be at the ramp in front of UAS, so starting at the channel, and then we'll probably walk around Japonski Island and see what might be around, but get a chance to learn about some of the birds in the channel. There's still a few goals around. Uh, most of the fish processing is, is seemed to wrap, have wrapped up, so there's not as much going on there, but the ducks and waterfowl are easier to see when you don't have a 1,000 goals to sort mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. And then the following week, the 16th, so the day before the actual bird count, he'll do another uh, pre-count walk, and that one will be at 
the park at Sitka National Historical nice. Park, Totem Park, as we like to call it. I think he picked that day because the tide will be out a bit, so there'll be opportunity to potentially see some shorebirds. Um, the oyster catchers the might oyster be out catchers, there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe black turnstones or surfbirds or rock sandpiper. And then as well as many water uh, wintering birds, the waterfowl that like to hang out there. And we'll see what the weather does. It's been pretty warm so far this fall and early winter. I consider this winter time basically. Um, we haven't I guess we had a little bit of snowfall, but not really anything that, yeah. that stuck and stayed around. And we haven't had any – the lake hasn't frozen over, for example. So if we get colder weather in the next couple of weeks and the lake freezes over, that will certainly change some things. We'll have more birds moving to the shorelines and fewer on the lake. Uh, kind of ideal is when the lake freezes enough that they can't hide in the weeds at the upper end. <laughs> yeah. <and laughs> you're constrained a little bit there and you can – but they're still on the lake because sometimes they disappear when the lake totally freezes. So we'll see what the weather has in store for us mm-hmm. in the coming weeks. But, yeah, that's an opportunity. If you are interested in learning a little bit more about birds, going around, going around with somebody who's good at spotting them and can tell you what they are, the next two Saturdays there will be a bird walk at Excellent. 9. P.M. or 9 a.m., not 9 p.m. 9 p.m. It'll be dark out. I asked him when I was on my way here, I asked him, what time are your bird walks? He goes, 9 a.m., a perfectly reasonable hour. And I said, yes. I said, the sun's not even rising until after 8 these days. Yeah. So yeah. get up too early and you just be in the darkness. But I do have to say, Connor is really good at, like, we've had m- multiple discussions about gulls, mm-hmm. Connor and I, because he has this thing for identifying gulls, which I just don't understand. Bless his heart. But... <laughs> Somebody has to do it, right? Um, but he's kind of really good at pointing out, like, what to look at, you know, yeah, uh, nice. what to look at on that bird to tell that it's what it is. So he he used to get quizzed on um, he'd tell me what something was and I'd be, how do you know? Not that I don't still do that, actually. If he sometimes he'll say it's it's this bird that's rare. And I'm like, how do you know it's not this other thing? <laughs> and then sometimes because it just doesn't look that way. But then then he'll go through and he'll figure it out. And then. <laughs> And then he'll convince me. Um, oh, boy. But he's he's had a mean dad sometimes. Man, so I don't know how he lives with you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a challenge. <laughs> it's, it's free. <laughs> it's a challenge sometimes. But, um, yeah, no, for he, who? Connor or for you? Yes. Um, <laughs> so... Let's not get too personal. <laughs> so, I guess we already went there. Yeah. Sorry. We, Back we, to birds. We have fun with the with the birds. But it is it is something he, he enjoys doing. He enjoys going birding with people and showing them stuff. And as he's had more experience doing it, he also has learned how to better articulate what it is mm-hmm. that he's seen. You know, some of us, and I'll include me in that regard, don't always, like, you're just like, I know what that is because that's what it looks like. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> because that's this what it is. It's not always yeah. very helpful. No. <laughs> not so much. So it is helpful when you can start to say. And it's interesting, you know, the process of learning birds is something that, you know, I started, you know, you're speaking about your first bird count. My mm-hmm. first one was, I think, 2004. And I believe the pre-count meeting was at the Unitarian Universalist Church. Oh, yeah, I remember yep, that. Yep, that's one. where they used to be. <laughs> and so that was, I think, I think there were two, there was two or three bird counts that I was at before Jen and Vicky took over. And then since then, they've all been at the Raptor Center, the mm-hmm. pre-count meetings. But because I have the keys, uh, that helps. That helps. <laughs> so, I I was uh, I that's when I started learning birds. I I started learning birds the year before, basically um, when I got my first telephoto 
lens and I started taking pictures of them. And I remember telling somebody that there were black turnstones down at the park and they hadn't seen black turnstones. They were more of a birder than I was at the time. And, and so I went down there with them and they, they brought their bird book and a scope and, and like carefully were reviewing the book and they had a very systematic way, which uh, nice. about it, which I don't, but, uh, <laughs> but I appreciated observing that. I mean, I just take pictures and figure it out later. It's always been my approach. Um, but th- this person liked to, you know, study them in the field and they wouldn't actually count a bird unless they felt like they had a good hmm. solid look mm-hmm. at it. There was none of this flash in the brushes. Somebody told me what it was. I'm counting it kind of thing for this, for this. And, so I appreciated that everybody can have their own aesthetic for how they want to count their birds and observe their birds. But, it, you know, in that process, he's like, those are actually surf birds. See this and this and this. Oh, and was nice. kind of looking. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know surf birds were a thing. <laughs> and, Speaking of borbs. Yes. That's a borb. A yeah, surf they're, bird. <laughs> they're, they're pretty. They're pretty round sometimes. All and, the time. <laughs> and so these days, it's easy for me to tell them apart. But in the beginning, right. like I'd, yeah. I was like, I'd didn't even know that there were two things mm-hmm. there. I just thought they were all the same. So it's it's interesting how that, that develops. And your your learning curve is shortened a lot if you have people there that are able yeah. to sort of help Articulate. point things yes. out. Well, when I started birding, it was when I, I took a ornithology class in college. Oh. And it was in northern Wisconsin in the month of May, and so all the birds are migrating. And the very first birds we started with were ducks. Oh, because they sit there. Nice. <laughs> and you can get good looks at them and you could I remember having the hardest time and just figuring out what to look at. Right. Like what are they seeing that's telling them that this is a blue-winged teal? What are they seeing? And once you finally figure it out, it's like, "Oh, it clicked." Yeah, I, that's okay. Nice. Now I know what I need to look for. So the I got into birding with a friend of mine in college and she started me out on swallows. Oh, Lord. <laughs> they don't just sit there. They don't, uh, no. <laughs> I was like sitting down. At, we were sitting in the parking lot of the University of Washington football statement stadium <laughs> looking up. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, I was like, that. there could not have been a tougher bird to start with. But I, I was hooked. I, it took a little while to like really get. <laughs> I moved on to other birds. <laughs> so see, Connor's got it right though. He's starting. He's taking people over to the channel where there's lots of ducks and they're just sitting sit there. there. Oh, that's much easier. But I was, I was still grateful. It was like okay, yeah. And you're still looking at birds. I'm to this still day. looking at birds despite you know starting with swallows. It's like oh, I could have started with flycatchers. That would have been even well, more that painful. Been even worse. <laughs> well, ducks aren't the easiest. I remember Marge telling me that she thought she'd never learn all the the female ducks in particular. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Female ducks are tough. Yeah. Depends on the ducks though. Some yeah. of them are easier than others, yeah. The uh, so many of them kind of have that brown mallardish look to them and you're yes. just kind of like, uh, I don't know, but the males tend to be if they're in Flash. Breed, they're Breeding plumage are a little flashier and a little more distinctive, and so it is. It is easier with them, but yeah, the female ducks are. I mean, you could start with gulls. I guess that's another place you could go. Oh, if yeah. you gulls, shorebirds, those would be tough. I mean, I was just thinking it made me think of female ducks. Like the the buffleheads are fine. Mm-hmm. Um, well, except for they well, ex- they and harlequin duck yeah, females, right? But they're still they're not they they feel like they're a little bit more settled for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, but once yes. you know what they are, they're yes. they're straightforward. It's, yeah. The challenge is, and what I've noticed start is people are. As people you start are, with swallows. I yeah. know. <laughs> As people are looking at, at things, 
one of the challenges when you're just beginning is you get fixated on a particular field mark. Yes. And so, like, right. for example, with the buffalo heads, a female, you're like, oh, they have that white patch on their cheek. Mm-hmm. And you don't think look to look elsewhere. Yeah. And then you see uh, what you find is is you see a female harlequin out here has a white patch on his cheek. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, oh I know those. That's a buffalo head. head. Mm-hmm. But it turns out. It's not. not. And yep. so that's just one of those things where – so at the slideshow, I try to point out some of those mm-hmm. things for folks that are – it's always a little bit interesting to try and figure out how to balance the, the um, okay, here's a little pointer for these two things that are similar. Right. Because right. we have people that have never birded before sometimes that, yeah. that show up. And then there's other folks who have you know been there, done that for decades yeah. at this point. Well, so but the pictures are always cool to look at anyway. Yeah, the pictures are always beautiful. But the one one duck that I will always remember how to identify, I never forget, is when we were learning ducks in my ornithology class, blue-winged teals have headlights and taillights. Oh, they like have white it. on their face and white on their bum. Nice. And so I'm like, headlights and taillights? Oh, blue-winged teal. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have those little mnemonic devices. Yeah. I don't. And now they're going to change all the birds' names on us. Oh, let's not go there. Let's not go there. They're going to change some, but not oh. blue-winged teal. Not blue-winged teal, no. Yeah, Thank that goodness. one will stay. Yeah. That one will stay. How about Smews? Are their name okay? Oh, I hope so, because mm, that's... Those schmooze. Schmooze. <laughs> well, if we see a smoo here, I'll be excited, be whatever whatever it gets called. They're very Kitty fancy and birds. I don't need to see schmooze. Yeah, you saw them in Aiden. I wouldn't mind seeing it again. I know. They that were so pretty. pretty. Beautiful. <laughs> you, you all had one of like the best trips to ADAC ever in terms of species. It was a pretty good us. trip. That's yeah. because we are amazing. Yes. Yeah, well. and, and, and we were lucky. <laughs> we yeah, got we to stay lucky. three extra days. You, you got there three was extra a typhoon days. and yeah, you know, <laughs> all the birds blew in so. and brownies. Yeah, but then we left and they still saw more birds yeah, that we yeah. I would have loved to have seen, but Yeah. No, it was a good year. It was a good it was a nice year. year there. So Bird travel, I guess bird we could segue into bird fun. travel. You you both like to travel for birds. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you have you done any traveling this year, Jen? Not for birds? No. The last trip I went on, I, I went a year ago to Hawaii um, and saw lots of, nice. lots of birds in Hawaii. And uh, yeah, I haven't been anywhere really since huh. then. I went to Delaware for a conference. I guess it I saw on some the, new birds in Delaware. Yeah, the time I, of year. You know, east. What time of year was it? February. Oh. <laughs> end of February, beginning of March. And I'm going to Nebraska. There you go. <laughs> at the end of February, beginning of March this Are year. Are the cranes there then? Yes. Yeah. They're having. So one of the field trips at this conference is uh, to go see the crane migration. Is that whooper cranes? Or whooping, uh, whooping cranes? I think it's mostly Sandhill oh, okay. in Nebraska. Um, but they. The field trip starts at goes from 2 a.m. to 4 p.m. I'm oh like, Lord. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Can I sleep on the bus? <laughs> I don't know about that one. Oh, so, that's fun. Um, but yeah, the, this conference is for, it's a wildlife rehabilitation conference and it, it's in a different city mm, every year. Cool. And one year it was in uh, uh, South Padre Island in Texas. And oh, wow. so Victoria and I went and we actually drove, left the conference a day early and drove over and we actually saw a whooping crane uh, at Port Aransas in Texas. So nice. that was the cool. That was nice. the coolest. That was a good trip. We got a lot of new birds that trip. Cool. I don't know where I want to go though next. I need to Yeah. I need to add some states to my list of states. I got a lot of birds in I got a lot of trips that were combined botanical bird trips. Yeah. To Arizona and Utah and Nevada and California. <laughs> I got a little carried away. Where but, have you been, Matt? I've been in Sitka. <laughs> Actually, you know, it was really fun. So I went to Oregon. I said I missed the count because I went to Oregon. Oh, yeah. I saw some really fun birds. 
um, such as such as um, flocks of snow buntings on the beach. Oh, at cool! Seaside, and um, there are western bluebirds also on the. Was beach. Was this in the winter? In the it was Christmas. Oh, okay. It was pretty fun, and then oh, yeah, Christmas bird count over at the <laughs> in Central Oregon. It was all the pygmy nut hatches. <gasps> I love those so guys. Cool. And they They're had like so five of them stuffed in this little roost hole. <laughs> it was the coolest thing. Yeah, that was nice. And a Lewis's woodpecker was there. Mountain chickadees. Yeah, so that was that was pretty fun for birds. It's nice to see. I like to get out because I, I. Love birds, mm-hmm. but sometimes I get bored with birding in Sitka because you see a lot of the same birds. So I like to travel to see different birds. Yeah. And, and uh, I always like to go to different places that I haven't been. That's one of the biggest mm-hmm. reasons that I travel is to see birds that we don't see here in Sitka or yeah. that I haven't seen. Like, I really need to hit the middle of the United States, yeah. Kansas, you know, all those exciting Colorado. states. Some chicken things. I need to see some chicken things. Yes. Yeah, your grouses and I sage love hens. grouse. I mm-hmm. love grouse. Yeah, it's, so much. It's an interesting <laughs> thing. I mean, there was the article that went made the rounds earlier this year. I think about how big birding is as a reason that people are coming to Alaska, and mm-hmm. the vast majority of that is, I'm sure, Bering Sea and right. the and the Aleutians. Oh yeah, because you get the chance for the Asian vagrants there. But every year, I pretty much I hear from at least one or two people that are coming to Sitka. And mm-hmm. often they're coming here for other reasons, but they want to go birding while they're here. And I've learned to just ask people what they want to see because, as you say, you get familiar with the stuff that's here and you're like, why would anybody want to see a red-breasted sapsucker yeah. or a chestnut-back <laughs> chickadee? Like, I mean, very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> but those are birds that, that live right, on a pretty right. narrow strip well, of the like continent. Well, like very thrush. Yeah. Right. Everybody wants one. to see a very thrush. Mm-hmm. Right. You yeah. don't see those other places. Or our, Not a lot of other places. chickadees, you don't see any place right. else. They, yeah. they're, just, they, they're kind of associated with the spruce forest mm-hmm. along the coast uh, going down into northern California, yeah. but just right along the coast. Yeah. So if you haven't been on the west coast, then those are birds that you wouldn't have seen. So it is interesting. And for me, it's refreshing to then have a chance to chat with them or, or on mm-hmm, occasion mm-hmm. go out with them and and see them being excited about these birds that are, you know, sort of the normal birds for me. Oh, yeah. Was, well, I'll never, I still can remember the very first very thrush I saw was in Totem Park. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is that? Oh, my gosh, it's so, <laughs> so gorgeous. <laughs> and they are lovely birds. They're so beautiful. But you, yeah. and, and it's really sad that I'm to the point where I'm like, ah, eh, it's a very thrush. <laughs> I still get excited about seeing the birds here, but I still like to travel because yeah. I think it's fun seeing, you know, I just like the variety. I like the variety of plants and birds. So if I can hit spots that have the two, two things, I'm mm-hmm. like super excited. And yeah. I'm, you know, Arizona was awfully good for that. Um, but so is California. I mean, you got to get, I'd seen roadrunners before, but on the trip I went last winter, it was like, there were many more and they were like right around the Airbnb we were staying at so I could watch their behavior more. That's so cool. Which was super fun because they do this cool thing. In the mornings, I mean, it's cold at night, right? So this is kind of high, Joshua Tree area is kind of high desert. Uh And so they're cold in the morning, and then they they stick out their feathers to try and kind of fluff themselves up. But they just look really odd. And when I saw the bird out in the backyard doing this, I was like, is that a chicken? What the heck is going on out there? And then it warmed up and settled down into its kind of sleek form and was hunting around the yard. Um, also got to watch one jump. They had to do this incredible vertical jump. It just like jumped from the ground to the top of a, you know, four and a half foot fence. Just wow. like boom, 
So, yeah, that was kind of fun. Yeah, because, you know, different behavior. That's interesting because the times that I have seen roadrunners, you don't you don't see their behavior much. You right. just they're see moving. them and they're moving. Yeah, yeah. But that would be cool. to. That was super cool to see. Hmm. And there were bluebirds there, too. I was like, this was like the bluebird year. There were mountain bluebirds down um, at Joshua Tree, too. Yeah. Just fun. Surprising. Yeah, I did not travel myself anywhere. And actually, I did Didn't go to go Idaho. Did you go to Not no. this year. That, that was, was last year. year. Oh, that was last year. I did, I did make a short trip to Idaho, and I don't know if I saw any birds or not. I, I did e-bird checklist. I definitely saw birds. I don't know if I saw, like, new birds, <laughs> <laughs> exciting new birds or anything, because I don't keep track of my birds elsewhere. So Ooh. the birds – this year this year we had a pretty good fall for unusual birds. Yeah. Uh, but I, several of, or some of them were ones I'd already seen. Like we had a rose-breasted grosbeak that showed up. Never and, saw it. Yeah, me neither. The, I looked and looked for I, it. Yeah, I was like, what? Black and white warbler showed up. Only oh, yeah. the second local record yeah. of one of those. Cassin's Finch was the first local record. And saw that one at Victoria's house. At Victoria's and mm-hmm. then showed up probably the same bird later by yeah. the Russian bishop's house for several days. There was a purple finch too, wasn't there? There was like... a purple finch that showed up at my house very briefly. And it was a colorful one. Yeah, was... and I was I have still yet to see a purple finch in oh, Alaska. No. Oh, you haven't seen. Oh, I have not seen one, one. Year before it. Oh, we had we over we we've had them pretty Evelyn much every Street year. I know, and I never the see them for a while. So I just need to go wander around on Edelman Street, and people just come like out and be like, out. "There, oh, I saw some cedar waxwings the other day. Oh, cedar fun. waxwings. I'm pretty sure they were cedar waxwings over by my house, but they uh, we had a ton of cedar waxwings earlier in the year. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah, it was a good year for cedar waxwings there. I didn't see any giant flocks of them, but it was like every neighborhood had a small flock. And yeah, so nice. it seemed like yeah. they were pretty common. There, we got a a few of them at the Raptor Center. They hit windows and cats got. And, mm. yeah. yeah, the usual the yeah. usual sorts of things. The usual sorts of things. Yeah. They're so, so pretty. It's been yeah, it's been an interesting fall. I guess my my other new bird, other than Cassin's Finch, was a Says Phoebe that um, mm-hmm. Connor and I saw one up on Bear Mountain near Bear Lake. Oh yeah, oh, that's up, really so. cool. Nice. Yeah, they nest in the interior. I've seen uh, one in Nome. It's the place where I've seen them. Yeah, I, I think I've seen one I in think uh, you, primarily in the interior, and then some out that way, and then and then further south, they're much more common. But yeah. um, so it's. I think there's at least one prior local record of of those in migration. But if they're hanging out on tops of mountains, then who's going to see them? Who's going to see them? (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much pretty much it. If they're just moving through that way in migration, so you never know. But that is one of the things about birds. It's like playing the lottery a little bit. I think I was kicking myself with that black and white warbler. It was so funny because I'd just seen one. I'd seen one in California, um, which was unusual for there. They don't show up in California, Um, and I was like. When I first saw it, I was like, that thing looks like a creeper. I mean, it was acting like a creeper. I was like, what the heck is that bird? And so I found, and I, I did the, the, I learned this from Matt. I had my camera with me and I took its picture, <laughs> took several of its pictures because I was like, it's acting like a creeper, but it doesn't look like a creeper. It's like, are they just weird down here? You know, they're just black and white, kitty. Yeah. Like it was a black and white warbler. <laughs> and so. <laughs> when Matt sent me the note that was like, oh, there's a black and white warbler, I was thinking, I've seen one of those. I've seen one of those in Alaska, and I realized I was thinking of a black pole warbler. Black pole warbler is yeah, so a different bird, make... yeah. I don't think I've seen a black pole warbler. They'd be around up in the interior. Yeah, well, i got to go up in the interior some more, I guess. Well, at any rate, so I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen one of those. What's that, the big deal? You that know? one this year, was like, wasn't that know. one out on an island? Yeah. 
Yeah, so, so I had I was I was trying to figure yes. out if I could get out there, and so I sent Kitty a message to see if she was available to run and out I, there. And, and she's like, I've already seen one of but those. But it was also wasn't <laughs> it wasn't actually a good time for me to yeah. run out there either. It, it wouldn't it, it, wouldn't really. But I might have like turned around. I might have figured it out if I had like gotten my brain engaged in time. And <laughs> so I was like, I don't think that you have here because there's only ever been one, and it was last year, and you were out of town. It mm-hmm. was only here for two days. And I was like, no, I saw it up in Fairbanks. He's like, no, you didn't. Didn't. So black pole funny. warbler, similar name, <laughs> but I haven't seen a black pole warbler either. Yeah. And they do show up here yeah. in migration occasionally. Yeah. But that's I guess I've seen a black and white in the East I Coast think too. hasn't yeah. Con- did Connor see a black Connor pole saw one a time? black pole warbler on Jarvis Street one time. Yeah. Connor, Connor gets all the good birds. Yeah. So it is. Um, what happens when you walk and you look and you. Pay attention. We just need to quit our jobs, Jen. I know. Well, you like this time of year. I'm working when the sun's up, so it's like yeah, I can't go birding after work or before work. Yeah, it makes it a little little tough for that unless you want to go owling. You just have to skew your job. It's like, I'm sorry, I'll work between 4.30 and, or 3.30. and. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, speaking of, of work, I guess it, it feels like I should ask you about the uh, bird flu stuff that was kind of, of of great concern for quite a while. Is that kind of died away now or they figure that it's stabilized or um it actually has i wouldn't say stabilized but um it has gone downhill pretty quick we didn't have very many positives at all this last year and um like we've even stepped down our um quarantine we have a whole new quarantine area at the raptor center mm-hmm. and we're still birds are still going in there but um we haven't had a pause positive knock on wood for nice probably since may okay and And i know you had an uptick in the fall mm -hmm. in early winter it seems like yeah and but it it's really gone down like they've been doing a lot of testing of waterfowl up up north around anchorage and they're not even seeing it in waterfowl that Hmm. much anymore and because waterfowl are carriers of it so they can have it without being affected by it Hmm. um yeah, so it's it's we're doing pretty good. We um, have stepped back to our quarantine, and and we're the only birds we're not taking in right now are ducks and gulls because they're bigger carriers of it. So, but anything else we'll take. And it's really funny. We've had a really slow year this year. Um, in terms of birds coming in. In terms of birds, yeah, mm. we've only had. I think we just admitted our 39th eagle, which is really wow. low for us. Um, and I think a big part of it is that Juno Raptor Center closed. We used to get a lot of birds from Juno. Oh, and huh. we haven't gotten, I mean, we now that there's no one in Juno to rescue birds anymore, it's like. They just don't get rescued. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a there's a U.S. Fish and Wildlife, uh, Steve Lewis, biologist up there, who he'll go out and get the eagles or the the other raptors if he hears about them but i've gotten so many calls from juno about songbirds this year and i can't i can't put a songbird on an airplane and fly it down here to sicka it's not going to make it it's right. just you know they're gonna they're gonna die before they get here so um yeah but i don't know we have we have plans future plans to maybe st- not start a not start a raptor center in Juneau, but maybe get volunteers in Juneau that we can have supplies for and they can go out and mm. rescue birds and, and get them to us. But that's going to be a few years down the road, I so think. Are most of the songbirds like window strikes? 
Window strikes, yeah, cats. There, I had a couple that my first call ever I got about, uh, I think it was like a song sparrow that got stuck to a sticky. Like a, a fly trap? Or? Yeah, like oh, a, well, like a sticky, you know, they have those rodent traps that are sticky. Oh, okay. oh no. Yeah. Imagine talking. Oh, yeah. It was not a nice call. I didn't, oh, I didn't like that call at all. No, it that was sounds sad. terrible. Yeah, um, but we get a lot of, you know, like. Was um, there anything that could be done with that one? No. Not really. I mean, if he had tried to pull it off the stick, it would have pulled all its feathers out. Oh, and then gosh. what do you do with it? And yeah. can you imagine how painful that would be to pull oh, all the feathers? Oh, so oh, the poor bird. Did he euthanize it? Yeah, I asked him if he was okay with that. And he said yes, because it it would have died a slow, slow death. Yeah. Otherwise, so. so. So what can people do? I mean, I have little stickers on my windows. I have these kind of iridescent yeah. um, stickers, and I have them. <laughs> I have like two or three on my big windows out in the front. And I'm, I don't have too many birds hit, even the, with the stickers. Every once in a while I have one that hits, and I think it's when they're just in the kind of crazy spring mode or something that they're not necessarily paying attention. So the chickadees never hit the window, but sometimes yeah, other birds Yeah, it's do. weird. Like uh, most of the we see a lot of sparrows that are window strikes. Uh huh. Um, yeah, juncos get uh, warblers have hit warblers. My, yeah, my windows. I've heard one of the things that can be done, and I don't remember what the what it is, but like there's a sweet spot of pain for um, bird feeders. Like if you have them further away or closer, it's oh, better. Right. But like if you have them a certain distance, the birds, especially if they get startled off, they just take off. Right. And right. they. If it's closer, they're not going fast enough to really have a right, big deal. Right. If it's further away, they they realize what's going hmm. on and they they fly away. Yeah. Um, but if if and I don't know what that distance yeah, is, but there are feeders pretty close to my windows. Yeah, there are definitely things you can look at online that um, talk about right. some of the but it, feeder placement and and those sorts of but things. The stickers are kind of cool. The I, stickers I found are these, cool. Like, cool little iridescent ones, so mm-hmm. that they're like, oh, they look like rainbows in the light. Anyway, yeah, the, like some of them are UV, and some of them they yeah. make a bunch of different kinds. Yeah. Now they're they're pretty cool. You know, just put like I know at the park they have some raptor shapes on their window, right. and we have some raptor shapes on our big window. Um, but yeah, we you know, and we even see. I mean, there are times we get. Sharp shins that hit windows and gossa. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think sometimes they well, get those Blaine and Monique. Like swooping in for the songbirds. Yeah, and, yeah. Blaine and Monique found a dead goshawk on a on this deck of a house that they were house sitting, and it was a beautiful bird. It was oh. just gorgeous. And they came home, and there's this huge dead goshawk on the porch. It was oh, pretty sad, sad, but it was a beautiful bird. Yes, cats. I guess cats would be nice if they stayed inside. Cats would be really nice if they stayed inside. Yes, yeah, cats are cats, the worst. I mean, cats. Saying that as a cat owner and a cat lover, my cats do not go outside, <laughs> but yeah. cats are the worst. If a cat if a cat bites a bird, it's a pretty much a death sentence. Yeah. What is it? Is it shock that kills the birds, or is, from a cat attack? Yeah, just initially. Like like I've I've picked up birds that seem to have no injury and then they died in my hands yeah you know, well I mean, the, the the cat had, had it but then and there wasn't any blood or anything but, right and well then it just died it, maybe internal injuries that- so stress kills yeah. little birds really That's easily what I wondered if yeah. so when like- you pick up if you pick up a little bird and you're looking at it it's in your hand and you're just staring at it that is major stress i see i have actually and i didn't mean to do it but i actually killed a pygmy owl by 
It was in a bag, and I opened the bag to look at it, and the thing looked at me, his eyes got huge, and he fell over and died. Oh, man. So oh, it was horrible for me, but um, yeah, so if you if you find a little bird, the best thing to do is like cover its head so that it can't, even if can't you're like see. looking at it, it can't see you looking at it. Um, put it in a warm, dark place if you have like a little shoebox or something, mm-hmm. if it hits your window. You can put it in a box, just put it someplace quiet and warm for... A little while and go back and check on it. Um, but cats, if a cat gets a bird, the cats have so many germs in their mouth that it, it and it's really you would think it would be easy to see a puncture wound on a bird. It's not always mm. that easy. Um, and so, I the sooner that you can get a bird that's got been get gotten by a cat back up to the raptor center or to someone that can help it, like a veterinarian. We can give it antibiotics that'll help fight it mm-hmm. off. We have actually been successful at saving a few birds that got we know got bit by cats, but wow. um, it's yeah, you have to get them so real fast. Prevention is the is the better thing. Prevention is inside. the better thing. Yes, please keep your cats inside. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't seem to help if they're declawed. No, no. <laughs> Good. And the bells they learn to they learn to figure out how to move without making them jingle yeah, yeah. Cats, are cats, cats are smart and the yeah. predators i mean they're just they're doing what they're right they're, they do but yeah it's not the cat's fault per se right. but the damage still happens yeah yeah so yes cats inside stickers on windows yeah birds are important they are eating a lot of like you know if you're like well great i don't really like to look at birds what are they doing for me well if you're a gardener they are your friends they're eating an awful lot of insects Um, oh yeah they're great with insects yeah so that's they're they're kind of a, a great thing to have around um well, for their own sake too, but if if you want your personal stake in it, they're they're eating they're eating insects. Even if you're not a gardener, they're eating insects, right? Mm-hmm. They like to scratch around and and uh, get get things out of the soil. It depends on the species, you know. Some of mm-hmm. them are foraging in the trees, and right. yeah, like the swallows. They're they're flying and eating bugs oh, all yeah. over yeah. the lake. Incessantly getting the getting the caterpillars next year's next year's mm-hmm. defoliators are right being yeah. eaten now by some of our. So sp- Speaking of, yes. <laughs> when I was at this conference last year at, in Delaware, our keynote speaker was this uh, entomologist, and he was talking to us about he when he bought his property, it used to be this big farm. They split it up into 10-acre parcels. He and his wife bought a 10-acre parcel. They got rid of every non-native plant. They planted only native plants. They got rid of their yard. I wish I knew the guy's name because I would tell you to go buy the book. He was an amazing speaker. Mm. Um, but what he found out by doing this to his property is that um, birds eat more moths and moth caterpillars than anything. Moths are oh, very, wow. very important, I have found out. Well, that explains why when I have my moth light out, my sparrows are super happy. So I put a moth light out so I can trap moths and see what they are all i find are little pieces of moths <laughs> they like to pluck the wings off They're, it's like mm, mm. but they apparently moths are the thing to eat if you're especially if they have babies they're taking moth caterpillars yeah. back to the well yep. it's interesting that you say that there was I, I just i think it was an article or a podcast or something where they were talking about the effect of the like the the mega hatches of cicadas, mm-hmm. and the birds start going for those in those oh, yeah. years, and so the moth 
the moths and the caterpillars just get to run amok. And so there's massive defoliation, or, or relatively speaking, mm-hmm. measurable difference in the amount of defoliation huh. that happens when the cicadas are coming out because of the birds. And the birds are going for the cicadas, <laughs> which they the like moths. better <laughs> than the moths. Well, the more bang for your buck. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're just sitting there, right? So mm-hmm. big, right, big, juicy right. protein morsel. Yum, yum. So, yeah. So, well, we are getting close to the end here, and we should remind people oh, why, yes. why we're here, which is to let people know about the upcoming Christmas bird count two weeks from today, if you're listening to this live on the air. December 17th. December 17th. Is it's it? all day. Uh, the pre-count meeting is on the 13th, which is Wednesday, 6 p.m. You at can, the Raptor Center. At the Raptor Center. You can show up, even if you don't plan to participate in the Christmas bird count, you can show up there to see the slideshow and just meet folks that are interested in birds. You can also, if you are planning to participate, you go there, you can pick a route to do on the day of the bird count. If you can't make it for some reason, then typically people contact Victoria. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember We're her well, it's, it probably might be a better thing to contact me this year right. because I'm not really sure what Victoria is going to be doing All in right. the next few weeks. But So what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, they can text me or call me on my cell phone, which is, can I say that over the air? If you want to. to. Don't everybody call me now. Um, we're, well, I don't want everybody to call me. Maybe Email then. You have an oh, email. Yes. You can email me at jcedarleaf. At gmail.com. Um, or you could call, I mean, I well, Victoria's kind of retired now, so you can't call Pet's Choice. Yeah. Even. <laughs> so if people so want. So just email me. Yeah. Or call the Raptor Center and ask for me. There All you right. Go. So if, you, if you are interested in participating or not sure that you're able to make it to the pre-count meeting, that would be a way to see about how to be involved. There mm-hmm. are also two pre-count bird walks. One taking place next Saturday on the 9th, meeting at the ramp in front of UAS, starting at the channel there, and probably we'll walk around Japonski from there. And then the following week, which would be the 16th on Saturday at 9 a.m. at Totem Park, uh, meet there at 9 a.m. and walk around the park, basically. You're free to show up for as long of that as you want. You're always welcome to peel off and go back to your vehicle or, or whatever when you're ready to be done. But typically those go around an hour, maybe a little longer if there's lots of birds and people have questions. But those will be led by Connor Goff. And so that is what's coming up for the Christmas bird count. Anything else? I was yes. just going to say count week. So, like, I keep track oh, yeah, of my birds, do count like, week. three days before and three days after? Yes, three days before, three days after for count just, week. Just in case. Unusual species, Well, for sure, but even, yeah. like, a regular species that I just kind of keep track of on an e-bird, and if for some reason it doesn't show up then we on can the still count, count day, it. then they can still count it as being present. Yeah. And so, also, don't forget to fill your bird feeders if you have a bird feeder. Yeah, so it makes a difference. It sometimes takes the birds a few days to realize that you're back in action, and that's a place they can go. So fill them now. And there is the opportunity. Do you all do the feeder watch part of the Christmas bird count yes. as well? Yes, if you um, have a bird feeder and you don't can't get around or don't feel like going outside that day, um, you can count the birds at your feeder. And uh, there's a certain way to do it. So if you want to count your birds at your feeder, get a hold of me and I can give you instruction on how to do that. All right. So that's jcedarleaf at gmail.com or you can call the Raptor Center and ask for Jen Cedarleaf. 
Well, thank you, Jen and Kitty, for coming in and visiting with me this week. And thank the listeners out there for joining us. As always, I'd love to hear what you're seeing out there. Please feel free to send me an email, sitkanature at gmail.com, or get on Facebook and like the Sitka Nature page there.